Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night, our night for living. I love being in church, and I love being with my church family. Amen. Would you go with me this evening to the book of Exodus chapter 17? Exodus chapter 17. And while you're finding that in your Bibles, Brother Rayleigh's already made mention, but be in prayer for Brother and Sister Boyd that they'll have a safe trip home. The, the text that we're going to read this evening, no doubt I'm confident that you have read many, many times and I'm sure that you've heard many messages preached from this particular passage of Scripture. But if you would give me your attention for a little bit this evening, I just want to kind of remind or refresh us of the importance of prayer. And I want to speak on the subject of praying with power. Praying with power. Exodus 17, verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Father, I love you. So grateful to be in this house tonight. So grateful to come before you and magnify you in song and praise. And now, Lord, the appointed time has come for your word to go forth. I ask that our hearts be prepared, that our minds be prepared. Whatever distraction may impede us, Lord, I ask you to remove it at this moment. God, I ask you to anoint me and I ask you to help us as a congregation not just to be hearers of this word, Lord, but to be a doer of the word. In Jesus' name, and the whole house said amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him one good thing that's happened to you since Sunday. I heard somebody say nothing good has happened. You're still breathing. We're still breathing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I, it's not necessary to raise your hand uh, for these next few questions that I'm about to present to you, but 
uh, if you will, roll them around in your mind and see if you can ever think of a situation in your life. But have you ever felt like that whatever you was facing or whatever you was going through, it, it just seems that everything, everything but the kitchen sink was being thrown at you. You just couldn't, you couldn't fathom that life could be like this and, and the things was coming at you. And then all of a sudden, wham, the kitchen sink does come. <laughs> uh, have you ever felt like sometimes that there's this big target on your back and there's a neon sign that says, there he is right there, take another shot at him. There she is, go after her again. Or have you ever felt like, or have you ever been faced with a problem? I know I have. I have faced situations and, and become so overwhelmed that I said, is this even normal? Is life really supposed to be like this? And things that are so unusual and so weird. And I, I see some heads nodding so you understand what I'm talking about and you know that when we face this and when we are in these situations, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a, we're in a spiritual realm. And the truth is, uh, in this life, whether you like it or don't or whether you won't admit it or not, we're always in a battle. We're always facing something, and the truth is that it's spiritual. And hell is at work over time trying to draw you and I from God. He's trying to destroy our families. He's trying to steal our health. He's trying to take our peace and joy. And ultimately, make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, ultimately the goal is to kill you and I. That's why John said the thief come for no other reason but to kill steal and destroy and the thing is that so dis that can be so discouraging is he often gets by with it and he often is effective in his work because he is an expert at getting you and I to focus our attention on the the natural things around us the the things of this life and the things of this of this world the devil is a master and he knows that if he can get you and I to expend all of our energy on fighting and struggling and warring in the flesh, then we're defeated already before the battle begins. Spiritual battles can never be won on a natural ground. Spiritual battles can never be won on a physical ground with physical weapons. Spiritual battles must be fought with spiritual weapons. That's why Paul admonished the Ephesians church, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is a spiritual battle. Our enemy's not our neighbor. It's not the person at the grocery store that runs into your buggy. It's not the DMV or the IRS or any other form of state or government. Our enemy is not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's not nicotine. It's not fornication or adultery. It is not anything that we as Christians like to label. And our enemy is not sickness and disease and poverty and lack. Yes, all of these things may manifest themselves against us, but they are just masks that the devil wears. Our, our enemy is Satan. And we have to realize that and understand. And, and I didn't come to paint our world gray and, and uh, try to convince you that, that hell's winning. But we have to understand that this is real. And Satan's real. And if we don't take this business serious, then he can have a power and dominion over our life. But the good news is, is we've been given these spiritual weapons to fight this battle. 
Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10 and 3, he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In our reading this evening in Exodus, in this fight with Amalek, we take quick note that Joshua and the children of Israel, this this is a real confrontation. This is not some imaginary thing that's taking place, but the, the Amalekites are real, and they hate the children of God, and they want to destroy them. And this can bring some symbolism to our lives of how the enemy uses the natural, the visible, the the tangible things that you and I can touch day in and day out. He uses them to war against us. You could, you know, if you went to a doctor, no no doctor would examine a person and diagnose them with with cancer or tuberculosis or arthritis or deafness and, and turn to you and say, yep, you've got a demon. That's not how they work. And please don't misunderstand me. I, I'm, I'm certainly not implying that sickness or disease is a demon, but as, as born-again believers, we know that disease may manifest itself in the natural, but its roots are spiritual. That's why sickness is healed spiritually. That's why we can uh, come to the front, we can be prayed for, and we have faith knowing that by his stripes we are healed. Sickness and disease came with the fall of man in the garden, but the blood and the stripes that Jesus bore for us is the cure. In our reading, Moses says, I will stand on the top of the hill. In an exhaustive study, hill there is reference to prayer. And he's referring to it as a hill for two particular reasons. Number one, because real prayer is hard work. Now let's just be honest this evening. Real prayer is hard work. The mountain or this hill represents being a little bit higher or higher than the natural or the things that's going on around us. And sometimes we face things in our life where we've got to get serious. And we've got to get a little bit higher than the situation. Sometimes our problems can be so great that it takes praying with some intense power. Prayer so powerful that we find ourselves in a spiritual realm, if you will. Moses referred to the rod of God in his hand, and it too has some significance for you and I. It represents the word of God. Prayer receives its intensity and its power through the word. To pray with power, we must pray the word. You know, there have been seasons in my life where I have faced something and I, I fell on my face before the Lord and I, I knew what I was facing and I knew what I wanted to say, but I just couldn't get it out. I, I, didn't know, I didn't know how to pray about it. The words failed me and it's in those seasons that I have no other choice but to grab my Bible and pray the word. That may, that may seem strange to some, but, but my Bible tells me that the word has power and authority. So if I trust, if I really trust what the truth of God says, then I can take this and present it to any problem I have. I can take this and put it in the face of the enemy and say, devil, you cannot overtake me, you cannot overcome me, and I will be able to overcome through the power of prayer and praying with power. The rod represents the authority we have as the children of God. You know, sometimes I think we take for granted, and please take this in the context that I'm saying it, but sometimes I think we take for granted how special we are. 
We're a peculiar people. Many are called, but few are chosen. And we have some power when we have God on our side. When Moses' hands was raised, the rod of God, the children of Israel prevailed. But when his hands and the rod begin to fall, the word tells us that Amalek prevailed. And if we see the enemy, if I see the enemy gaining ground in my life, the first thing I have to ask myself, how's my prayer life? How's my word life? And I, I'm talking about serious prayer this evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not talking about a, a now you lay me down to sleep prayer. And I'm not talking about just reading a few verses before we go to bed. But I'm talking about a steady, consistent flow of the word of God coming out of my mouth. That's why John said, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Jesus defeated the devil with it is written. But then he vocalized what was written. It's not only what is written that defeats the devil. It's what is written that lives in our heart and what fills our mouth that overcomes the devil. The sword of the spirit that defeats the devil is the word of God spoken with authority. And you have to believe what you're speaking. The church and the cause of of Jesus Christ universally advances in the earth through prayer. What I mean by that is how, how many times have you had a friend or a loved one when something goes wrong or, or crisis comes, what's the first thing they do if they're not praying people? They call you and ask for prayer. And so a great responsibility comes with that. You know, the ark was carried upon the shoulders of priests. And so God has committed his presence to you and I and the power of prayer rests on us. So it's a great responsibility that we can't take for granted when somebody calls and says, hey, will you pray for me? Now, I, I don't say this boastfully, and I may be on a tractor, I, I may be riding down the road in my truck, but I take it serious when somebody calls and says, I need prayer now. And I think as, as, as born-again men and women of God, we have a responsibility to go to prayer because on praying ground, we're all on a level playing field. Everybody's equal. You know, the greatest calling of God is not an apostle. It's not a prophet. It's not an evangelist or a preacher or teacher. The greatest calling that you and I could ever receive would be called to be a prayer warrior. Be a prayer warrior. It is prayer that makes the apostle or the prophet or the evangelist or the preacher or the teacher. But it is through prayer that we put on and activate and hold in place the armor of God. Ephesians said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There is no such thing as a victorious Christian life without prayer. I'm going to say that again. There is no such thing as a victorious Christian life without prayer. It is by and through prayer that we wage war. It is through prayer that we receive our provisions for battle and through prayer that we receive power for the battle. It is in the closet of prayer that the Christian is dressed for battle and for life. You are not dressed for the day until you have prayed. If you haven't, been watching the news in the last four or five years or, or, or longer, or if, you're, if, if you don't pay attention to that, let me bring to your attention that this world, the society we live in, has took morality, 
They've took integrity. They've took character. And they've wadded it up and thrown it out the door like yesterday's trash. And so we would be foolish and we would be naive to send our spouses, our children, our loved ones out the door every day to face this world without the protective hand of God, without a hedge encamped round about them. Our children are facing things that we can't even imagine. I've got an 11-year-old nephew that tells me things that I don't even know and I'm 45. I had a father in our church tell me a few weeks ago and I'll choose my words carefully. He said they called the, the, the boys, I'm talking about 11 and 12-year-olds, called them into the auditorium and had conversations with them and provoked thoughts in their mind and, and fished for answers and questions about things that only a father and a son should talk about and shouldn't talk about it until the appropriate age. This world is sick and it's perverted. And if we don't begin to take prayer seriously, when our loved ones enter into this world, they're not going to make it without the hedge of protection from the Lord. Before David defeated Goliath publicly, he had already conquered the lion and the bear privately. And, and this is, he done this through a prayer battle. All public victory owes its accomplishment to private prayer. That's why Jesus said, he that prayeth to his father secretly shall be rewarded openly. And make no mistake about it. If someone is being mightily used of God, it is not by accident. They've, they've spent some time in a prayer closet somewhere. They face some trials and tribulations in their life. They have walked through the fire a time or two. And that's why when we in our carnal flesh say, well, I sure wish the Lord would use me like that. I, I wished I would could be called to a ministry like that. Be careful what you wish for. Because we may not be willing to pay the price that they paid to be used of God mightily. Our Christian life can be easily diagnosed by our prayer life. And our prayer life is the thermometer of our spiritual life. I make no mistake about it. Backsliding does not take place overnight. And I can speak shamefully from experience, but the first thing that will take place in backsliding is your prayer life goes out the door. And from there, it's a, a road of destruction and downhill. We have to take a self-examination of ourselves and make sure, make absolutely sure that our prayer life is where God intended it for it to be. Charles Spurgeon said of prayer, he said, send to all the churches of Great Britain, first of all, the power of prayer, and then shall there come conversions of multitudes of souls through the outpoured energy of the Holy God of Israel. The real battle is spiritual, and the greatest weapon we have is prayer. This that we fight every day, this that we deal with on a daily basis, the only way to combat it is through prayer. But it's just not any prayer that secures the hope in the Almighty of God. James said it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that will avail much. Effectual there meaning powerful. Fervent meaning to be hot or to boil. I mean, I know it's a little old-fashioned to some, but I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that I still believe in holiness. I, I still believe purity in word and in deed and in thought and mind. And I believe 
that holiness is as holiness does. That means if my heart's holy, then my life will be too. I'll talk holy, I'll dress holy, I'll, I'll conduct myself holy. I shouldn't have to walk in the, the local hardware store or the local parts house and flash my HAC membership card to let them know I'm a Christian. They ought to know it by the way I conduct myself and who I associate with. It's not only, it's not any old prayer that secures victory. It's the prayer of the righteous. It's the prayer of the fervent. A man of prayer once said, as a painted fire is no fire, a dead man, no man, so a cold prayer is no prayer. What he meant by that, in a painted fire, it's just an image, so there is no heat. In a dead man, there's obviously no life. And in a cold prayer, there is no power and no devotion and no blessing. Cold prayers are very similar to arrows without head. Cold prayers are similar to a sword without an edge. A cold prayer is similar to a bird without wings. They pierce not, they cut not, and they fly not. Cold prayers will always freeze before they get to heaven. E.M. Bounds said, God can and does tolerate many things in the way of infirmity and error in his children. He can and will pardon sin when the penitent prays, but two things are intolerable to God, insincerity and lukewarmness. In other words, a lack of heart and a lack of heat. God does, he does and will answer prayers, but he said, ask, you shall receive, seek, and you'll find, knock. He said, you have not because you ask not. In our reading this evening, when Moses' hands dropped, the enemy gained the advantage. And when our hands drop, Satan gains the advantage in our life. And and we have to look at our own life and, and self-examine ourselves and ask ourselves the question, have I lost ground? Am I where I need to be in my walk with the Lord? And if the answer is yes, then it is due to the weakness in our prayer. This is where the real battle is, and this is where it's won or lost. That's why it's often been said, he stands tallest who kneels most. I love the story that we read this evening in the scripture because it shows us the power of, of prayer and it shows the inner workings of prayer. Uh, Moses, no doubt, a mighty man of God, called to lead the children of Israel. But what's so encouraging to me is he's just a man. He's just like you and I. And we can see that and it, it gives me hope that I too I too can make it because when Moses' hands dropped, the enemy gained the advantage. When they got heavy, he, he, he grew tired. Uh, he, he was under the weight or the, or the burden, if you will. That means he, he actually felt the weight and the burden of God for the people of, of Israel. If, have you ever been under a real prayer burden? Anybody, then you know what I'm talking about. There is such a thing as a prayer burden that weighs on you. It, it presses on you and it, it'll, it'll cause you to lose sleep at night. It'll cause you not to eat. But, and, and let me say this, that's not a bad thing. The burden of the Lord is a blessing and it is an honor to get under the load of prayer. But it can get heavy. 
And there are times that we are not meant to carry the load alone. And if we are going to win the battles that we are fighting, we have to understand that we can't do it alone. I'm trying to make heaven. And I'm going to be straight up front with you. I need your help. I, I, I need you. I, I want to make heaven, and I, 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 can't, I can't make it on my own. I need my church family. We're, we're fellow laborers. We're partners. We're a team. We're a family. They tell us that they took a stone and brought it to Moses to sit on, and this represents two things. It represents stabilizing and supporting and, a, and establishing some strength for him. It also represents rest. And sometimes when we're in a battle, we need to rest. We can't quit fighting, but we need a break. We need a chance to catch our breath. And when we got a church family, when we attach ourselves to a church family, we can breathe a little easier, knowing that the, the church family will help us. We, we got this. We can do this together. There's things that I can't do on my own, but knowing that you're praying for me, knowing that you're encouraging me, it gives me strength. In Exodus 17 and 12, which we read as our musicians come, Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him and he sat thereon and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And, and I, that last phrase just jumps off the page to me and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Now we know when his hands were lifted they were, Israel was winning so that that means that there's strength. There's power in the hands of, of Moses uplifted. His effect in this battle uh, or the effect of, the, of Joshua and the children of Israel determined the strength of Moses. And when Moses wasn't strong enough to do it on his own, it was the help of two men that give him the strength, that give the children of Israel the ability to win the battle. There's some things that you and I'll face that we can't do on our own. And if we know that we can depend on our family to come along beside and lift us up and hold us up, then we can overcome. And I, I'm, I'm convinced and I believe that not, not only tonight but in recent past, God is speaking. He, he has been expressly speaking to us and confirming some things to us as a church. But... In all the, the and, and I, I, I believe with all my heart that there are we've had great we've had great times, but I believe that we haven't even seen a small thimbleful of what God is going to do in our midst. But in route to that, we're going to be in a battle, and the battle is not imaginary. The battle is real, and we have to understand that it's real. As I speak. There are families in this church being attacked. As I speak, there are homes of people in our congregation that is under attack. The devil is trying to insert himself in their home. As I speak, there are children in our congregation that is going through hell in this world. As I'm speaking right now, there are people in our congregation who are being attacked on their job and, and being attacked at their job. As I speak right now, there are people in this congregation whose health 
is being attacked. The, the, the very way they live their life is under attack. And we've got to realize that this is not something that we can fight in the natural or the physical. We've got to fight it with what God has given us to fight it with and that spiritual weapons. And we've got to realize that we cannot do this alone. I, I guess I'm as proud as any other man in this room. And I, you know, I don't need the GPS in that car. Tell me where to turn and when to stop. I know how to get there. I may have to circle around and drive another 100 miles before I do, but sometimes we're prideful and we don't want to ask for help. But I'm telling you, to make heaven, ladies and gentlemen, that's why, that's why he calls us the bride. That's why he's so adamant about the unity of the body of Christ because Jesus Christ understood what we would face in this day and age and he knew that it was going to take everyone in a joint effort to make it. That, that's why, if you don't hear anything I say this evening, just lend me your ear for on, on this next comment. That's why it is so important for us to be in church every time the doors are open. It's here where I find my strength. It's here that I feel encouraged, not only by the service, but I feel encouraged by you. It's here that I realize that the mountain that I'm facing, I don't have to face it alone because I've got a family that's going to push me up the hill and going to help me overcome. We need each other. Every, every prayer prayed by every person is an integral part of a victory that we win. And let me say this respectfully. There, there are some that have felt like that you've been on a mountain alone and you've been trying to hold off hell all by yourself. But I want to remind every man, woman, and young person in this building tonight, you are important. This church needs you. We need you. We need your prayers. We need to hear your voice we need your presence. It's your presence that strengthens us. It's, it's your presence that adds to us. And the, the devil will tell us that it don't matter. He, he'll tell us that we won't even be missed if we don't show up to church. But I, in closing, just let me say that Hatchman Apostolic Church is not complete without you. We're a congregation. We're, we're co-workers and we're fellow laborers, but but most important here at Hatchpin Apostolic Church, we are family. And family depends on one another. As we stand across this house, I, I, am, I am so thankful to know that whatever the situation may be or whether it's our outreach ministries, when a lot of times Brother Chris will close and say, pray for our outreaches. I want to tell you, I go boldly and confidently knowing that I'm not walking in there or it's just not me and him or it's just not Brother Toby or whoever else is involved. They may just be two or three, but I feel like we a whole army marching in there because I believe that you're praying. And that's why it's so important. You know, I'll just be honest. I don't jump out of bed every morning playing a tambourine and ready to run to the to my chair to pray 
man, I could hit that snooze and get nine more minutes. Then that nine goes by and I hit it again. But then it comes to my mind. I, I told Brother Fears I'd pray for him. I told Sister Susan that I was going to pray about that situation. And I begin to feel that responsibility. And it nudges me on up. And, and then I go, to, I go to my chair and I realize just how important it is that we do pray. People are depending on you to pray. There's some people that will never understand how truly covered they are by prayers of other people. No doubt in my mind when I was in the world that I am here today because of prayers of my mother and the prayers of this church. It matters when we pray with power. I don't know where you're at or where you may find yourself or where... And I'm not by any stretch of the imagination putting anybody's prayer life uh, in check. But in closing, as they as they sing sing us a song, if you'll just make an altar where you're staying. And if we're not exactly where we need to be, let's make a commitment tonight. Don't worry about yesterday and, and don't worry about last week or last month. I tell the guys often in our outreaches, you know, God told, God told Abraham, he says, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. And, and I take that to mean just get up and worry about today. Pray for today. Tomorrow's going to come soon enough. Time is flying by. Don't worry, tomorrow will be here. But if we can just encourage ourselves to pray for today and know that when, know that I know that when I'm there, you may not be praying at the same time as me. You may not be praying in the same fashion as me. But I'm, I'm encouraged when I know that I'm not praying alone. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church. Can we lift our hands across this congregation and just ask the Lord to instill in our heart, give us the strength and the ability to do that, to, to pray with power and to pray with authority and to pray with the word of God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family